0: I wanna be honest with you guys for just a second I wanna I wanna make a confession I hate surprises can't stand them every August the 13th I'm nervous it's my birthday and I get nervous when people are like hey man you wanna go out to lunch today or can I take you out to dinner Uh, not today it's your birthday I'd like to take you out no because the problem is they know That I don't like surprises and if I choose to go to said whatever restaurant and and it's always the restaurant that I would obviously want to go to to try to entice me, but you end up going to the restaurant and you're worried that you're about to get a surprise that you don't want and then when you're not paying attention, that friend of yours whispers to the waiter or the waitress and says, it's his birthday. And the next thing you know, you've got a big sombrero on, people are singing jingles to you that they've written, and everybody in the restaurant has focused their attention on you. Any, anybody with me that you hate that? Show of hands that you hate that. Okay, you see all these people, you are traumatizing us, stop doing that. Years ago, my birthday rolled around, and I began doing the ritual of preparing myself to not be surprised. And so a friend of mine said, I'd love to take you out to dinner tonight, or to lunch. And I said, hey man, I appreciate it. Schedule's full today, celebrating myself. Uh, I'm good. So the next week, he came back and said, hey, you want to go to lunch today? I got some time. I was like, sure, we'll go to lunch today. Wasn't thinking, because I had already pre-prepared myself the week before. But on this day, we rolled up to the Japanese steakhouse. I'm not thinking. I get up to go to the restroom, mistake number one. I come back. He's grinning. What's the deal? Nothing. I was just thinking about a joke. And the next thing I know, I hear a drum beating. Then my heart is beating. And I'm like, oh, somebody has a birthday. I feel so bad for them. And then they all crowd around our table and make me stand in a chair. And they begin singing, happy birthday. I hated it random strangers got me and uh, as I blew out the candle that day my birthday wish was for a new friend (laughs) I don't like surprises any anybody in here you don't like to be surprised you know as a surprise as I was I can't imagine the surprise that was on the faces of Mary Magdalene and Mary and Salome the day that they approach that tomb. And they, they get there. And nobody's there. There's not a single disciple that was sitting outside of the tomb. Counting down to the resurrection. Jesus had warned them this whole time that, hey, three days, I'm out. And you would think that disciples would have gotten that. And they would be sitting, camping out outside that tomb, celebrating just as we would new years of waking for the ball to drop they were not waiting for the stone to be rolled away i want you to think about that jesus closest followers were doing exactly what we would expect them to do since they expected for jesus to do what dead people do and dead people do nothing nothing so the sabbath it's over and Mary and Mary and Salome go to purchase some spices because they need to anoint the body of Jesus and prepare it and give it the body a proper burial. They didn't have a chance to do this beforehand because the whole trial of Jesus this this thing escalated so quick from the last supper that he's arrested and by morning Jesus is being crucified on a cross by the Romans and at the hands of the Jewish leaders and so he's arrested he dies they wake up on the friday morning they hear the news that their rabbi is being crucified this is a shock to them they didn't have time to catch up emotionally so much less they didn't even have time to go and get the proper spices and and what they needed for this burial They, they believe that jesus was a teacher he was a miracle worker from god And that their hope had been that that he was the promised Messiah. But in this moment, their hopes of him being the Messiah had been completely shattered. Because Messiahs do not die. Hope had been lost. And through the tears, these women watched the body of Jesus battered and broken. Their friend, their teacher, being pulled off of this cross and carried over to a borrowed tomb and placed in that borrowed tomb. They they saw his body quickly be embalmed and in a rush, they, they get him buried at the start of Sabbath. Their hearts are broken, their hopes shattered. You put yourself in that position. They're in absolute shock at the events that they just witnessed in this very short time. These women, they'll spend the next couple of days just in shock that just yesterday he was with us. We were walking the streets of Jerusalem. We were worshiping. He was teaching us. But after the Passover, they had to do something, so they decide Sabbath is over, Passover is over. We need to go to the tomb, and we need to get inside to the body of Jesus and make the preparation and give him The proper anointing and burial that he deserved so we pick up the story mark chapter 16 and it says this when the Sabbath was passed Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Salome brought their spices so that they may go and anoint him and very early on the first day of the week that would be a Sunday when the Sun had risen they went to the tomb and and they were saying to one another who's gonna roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back because it was a very large stone. It would have taken a few people, four, maybe five people, and a couple of pry bars to move this stone back and forth. The the stones were put there to keep animals from coming in and having a meal, okay? And so every tomb had a stone. So they were they were surprised could you imagine the looks on their faces when they get to the tomb that they saw their their teacher rabbi placed in and the stones moved it's like if you walk into a cemetery and there's a hole in the ground and the casket is open what are you thinking right you're thinking a hey, let's run let's get out of here then you'll start processing why this was opened So they they had this shock. They knew something about this situation is not right because I saw him go in the tomb. I saw the stone rolled in front of the tomb and now it has been rolled back. And so what they do is they entered the tomb and they saw the body of Jesus was not there. They feared the worst. Somebody has taken this body. What what did they do? Because they had already been so cruel to Jesus with the way that he was crucified and the way he was beaten. Why not be so cruel as to take his body and hide it from us so that we couldn't give him proper burial? They never thought, oh, he's alive. Oh, he has been resurrected. No, their thought was this, that this was the job of grave robbers. Somebody has come in and taken him, and we can't find him. They assumed that somebody had taken the body. So what they do, they run back into the city to tell the other disciples he's gone. Somebody has taken him. In John chapter 20, he says it this way. She ran and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple. The other disciple here is John, the one whom Jesus loved. By the way, what book are we reading from? Who wrote the book of John? So he wanted you to know he's the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay. When you write your own book, you can put what you want in it. And so, and he goes on to say that, the other disciple John the one who Jesus loved she said they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him I also like John's book because it says that that Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved got into a foot race and ran to the tomb but John puts in there I beat him out I won I beat Peter not a single one of them looked into that tomb and assumed oh yeah resurrection duh." When they looked into the tomb, they assumed what you and I would assume is is simply somebody's taking the body. The the, the disciples were so skeptical of what these women were saying. Luke tells us this in Luke chapter 24, but the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they just didn't believe it. There's no way somebody would move the stone and, and take the body. This can't be right. So we need to go see it for ourselves. And so they make this journey into the tomb. I think many of you have the same thing. And, and, and maybe even if you're a believer, there's sometimes we come to this moment to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And, and for some of you, there's still some skepticism of how could this be? How could it be that he has risen from the dead? How could that be? Maybe you think the resurrection is a bit of maybe nonsense. It's something that you can't quite wrap your mind around. And I would agree that... that that Jesus was a historical figure. I'd say that he was the Messiah. I'd say that he is alive and is, and is well today and ruling and reigning on the throne in heaven. But maybe for you, you just can't buy into that. Jesus' best friends felt the same way. They doubted. Multiple times in the book of Mark, after the resurrection, he speaks to these disciples. And you know what the thing that he keeps getting them on? Your disbelief, man. How are you going to doubt me? I told you these things the whole time that we were hanging out in Galilee All these boat rides we took together these long walks that we took together and I kept telling you this was going to happen But no y'all wanted to goof off y'all didn't want to listen to what I had to say And he keeps getting them on their disbelief Because they assume in this moment again that Jesus would just stay dead, and you and I I think would have that same assumption but Peter decided I just can't sit here. I have to go and check it out for myself. So in Luke 24, verse 12, he says this, however, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. And stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again wondering what what had happened. What in the world? See he, he missed the one key piece there, was the linen that had wrapped Jesus. We also call those, the translation, swaddling clothes, have we heard that before? That when Jesus was born, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. This is, swaddling clothes is the thing that, it was linen burial wraps. The reason this was at the birth of Jesus is because all of the sacrificial lambs that were used for temple worship were raised right there in Bethlehem. And to protect them, they would wrap them in swaddling clothes. So Jesus is the lamb. He's a sacrificial lamb here. And so Peter's here wondering, Here's the linen, and it's folded neatly on the side. You know how you have like a nice dinner, and you're not finished yet? You're coming back to the table, and what do you do with your napkin? Just throw it in the middle of the plate? You fold it neatly and lay it to the side. Jesus had left him a sign. He folded his linen neatly. I'm coming back. But Peter missed it, and now he's wondering. And I think this is one of the most important parts of this Resurrection narrative is this that that the men and women that were closest to the action the writers of the New Testament Gospels had their doubts they had their moments Even knowing all these things being with him hearing from him spending time with him here. They are Sitting in their doubts and wondering what in the world has just happened And they documented their own disbelief because John writes a lot of things about him outrunning. And him being the disciple that Peter loved but the thing I love about John he also documents his disbelief in this whole resurrection so the Bible tells us that on the first day of the week on Sunday the disciples were together they were hiding they're not out in the streets proclaiming the resurrection this is not on the topic they they are locked behind closed doors because they're afraid of what might happen to them you saw it happen to Jesus And We've been associated. What are they going to do with us now that they got him out of the way? They're coming for us So you and I would do the same thing that they would do is go lock ourselves away and hide So the Bible tells us in John chapter 20 on the evening of that day the first day of the week the doors were locked Where the disciples were for fear of the Jewish people because those are the ones that went after Jesus and Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. It's probably a good first word for Jesus to speak to them, being that the door was locked and they haven't seen him because they're thinking he's not in the tomb. So he's not in the tomb because somebody stole his body, but now I'm looking physically at him. And so Jesus decides to say, Hey, guys, before you freak out, peace be with you. Have some peace, okay? And in their hiding, this missing body of Jesus is now standing right in front of them. The body that was placed in the tomb is right in front of it, physically. It's here. But they still can't wrap their minds around the fact that this is it. This is Jesus. This is, I, we, we grabbed him from there. We, we saw him in the tomb. We heard what Solomon Mary, and Mary said. How in the world did this dude get into the room? That would have been my question. Because I would have been like, Peter, did you leave the door unlocked? How did he get in? He just walked, literally, just walked right through the door. And they were still doubting that this was Jesus. The door was locked. Do you remember these guys were in a little town called Bethany? Because Jesus had gotten word that his best friend Lazarus was sick and had died. And they watched Lazarus be resurrected and they saw his body come up out of the grave in the grave linens and then he began to talk they had just spent that week they had just spent the night in his house but yet that wasn't hard to fathom but jesus standing in front of them physically was hard to fathom they couldn't get it so the bible says in luke 24 then he said when i was with you before i told you that everything written about me in the law of moses and the prophets And then the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he said, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah was going to suffer. He was going to die and he was going to raise from the dead on the, say it with me, on what day? Third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Right here where they tried to end the movement, the movement is going to begin. He says there is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. You are witnesses of all of these things. You're you're eyewitnesses. You've seen it. You know. Disciples, you of anybody would know. You were in the inner workings of this movement. And now you're hiding here in fear. You can't be fearful and share a message of hope if you're behind locked doors. It's time to unlock the door. They were eyewitnesses to an event that would start a movement that we now call Christianity. We are here because of this event. Eyewitnesses. We all have a story. We have all had God work in our lives in some way, shape, or form. We are eyewitnesses to the events. And their testimonies, they they filled the streets, and hope was restored because what we know is the early church was launched and birthed out of this. I think about Peter. Peter believed, and then Peter unbelieved, and then Peter denied that he believed, and then Peter believed again. This was a disciple. He went through his his whole moments. He was a a wreck, but yet he was an eyewitness. And then we get into his writings, and, and Peter is an old man when he writes this, and he's looking back on the resurrection, and he's writing to the first century Christians, Remember, Peter saw all of this. And the Bible tells us this in 1 Peter. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Peter believed that God was Jesus' Father. He believed it. He said, in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. See, today we don't sit here and wait on hope. Our hope is alive and well because Jesus is out of the tomb. That word hope here is not a verb, it's a noun in this verse. And he's saying this because of what Jesus has done. You and I can have hope based on what? Well, the next word tells us how we can have hope. It tells us what it's based on. It says through. Well, through what? This means because of. In other words, Peter, we're asking, what tangible evidence, Peter, do you have? How can you be so confident? In this resurrection, and he says this, I have confidence through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If I ask Peter, what is the foundation of your faith? Peter would say this, reminding the audience that there's a relational factory. Uh, there's, There's a factor here. It's not just an event. He says the resurrection. Look at this. He says this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. In in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds and of all trials. The, The resurrection of Jesus completely reframed Peter's life. Because remember, he was the guy that denied. Right? He wasn't at the cross but we're going to get past the resurrection and he's going to be in Galilee and Jesus and he are going to have a breakfast together and Jesus is going to redeem him right there in the Sea of Galilee remember three times I don't know this guy I don't know this guy I don't know this guy and three times Jesus asked this question in the Sea of Galilee after the resurrection at the breakfast he said do you love me? do you love me? do you love me? Peter's denial has been redeemed 3 times by the love of God. He restores him. And the resurrection becomes alive for Peter. The invitation for Easter for you and for me is to allow the resurrection power of Jesus to completely reframe our lives. We live differently because he's alive. If the tomb was still sealed and there's still a body in the tomb, this went nowhere. There is no resurrection without the crucifixion, and there's no crucifixion without the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? There's none. So we live in this power. We we have resurrection power. Faith has a starting point, and that starting point of the resurrection has a basis. It is the resurrection. The resurrection tells me that Jesus is who he is, and he can do anything that he says that he can do. So when Luke wanted to summarize the apostles' message, He chose one word. The one word was resurrection because the resurrection covers everything. And that resurrection is a gift to anybody who will receive it. But you have to receive it. The Bible says this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which that loses its value. But it was the precious blood of Christ the sinless, spotless lamb, the substitutionary atonement. That's the value. Today we talk about the resurrection and celebrate because it's real and Jesus is alive. And you may have your doubts. Jesus is not intimidated by your doubts. There's an invitation for you to come to the table He will work with you with those doubts. I have doubts at times. Anybody else have doubts in this room? It's okay. Thomas doubted. And for him, he had to put his hands in the wounds and in the side. But faith is believing in the things that you hope for, but you can't see it. And that's what he's asking us to do. Is to step in the faith. And believing that God is who he says he is and can do the things that he says he can do. Salvation has been completed. Jesus from the cross tells us to tell us that it is finished. The the work, the redeeming of work has been done. You and I now have relationship, can have a relationship with God. It is a free gift to all who receive it. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not about how good you are. A lot of you worry about I'm just I, I can't, man. If God knew who I was, hey, God is all knowing, He knows who you are. He knows. And He still loves you. You know, some of us have done some pretty bad things through our lives, but yet our parents still loved us through it. Any parents want to testify that there were moments that you thought about, this is tough, but you could never give up on your child. That's the father. That's God saying, hey, I will never give up on you. Have your doubts. Bring your doubts. Jesus is the safest place for you to be able to bring your doubts and have faith that he's who he says he is. Maybe you've been in church, but this has never been like real to you. Jesus has never been real to you. And I don't ever want to walk away from a moment without giving somebody the chance that the Holy Spirit is is working in your life today. I want to give him a moment to move. Because today is the day of salvation. Like I've said, we have been praying for you specifically. That you would hear from him. If you've never made your your own decision, you've never made a serious decision to follow Jesus, today you can be saved and start. Your journey and being a disciple today you can experience the resurrection power of Jesus if, if you would just bow your heads with me if that's you this morning you just you feel the whole you, there's something going on inside of you you're wrestling with something right now that's called tension and tensions created by the Holy Spirit you may not even know who the Holy Spirit is but Jesus told us that he sends us the Holy Spirit because he is the one that convicts us and gives us counsel and and enlightens us and the reason that you've even come to this place to feel that tension is because the Holy Spirit has revealed something in you that you are in need of a Savior and if that's you this morning I want you to pray this with me this is not a special prayer you don't have to worry about it. I didn't get all the syllables right so am I really safe this is just a, a simple example of you crying out to God if this morning you're saying listen I I need Jesus I feel that tension inside of me right now would you pray this dear God Thank you for loving me and sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Forgive me for my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. God, I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer right now in this moment, an amazing thing happened. The Holy Spirit has just entered into you, has filled you in this moment. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life that you are a follower of Jesus. You have been radically saved in that moment. And if you've prayed that prayer, I want to talk to you. I want to pray with you. After the service, I want you to come and find me or find one of our elders, find someone, and share. I want to help you as you start your journey. Father, I thank you this morning. Your resurrection power. Thank you for that tomb that has been opened. Thank you that we can. Thank you that we can just sit here and, and just think about all that you've done for us. As we prepare to, to sing this song, God, I pray that our hearts would receive the message of what we're about to sing, and God, that we would just proclaim. Thank you for every person in here and those watching online who today have made a decision to follow you and have surrendered their lives to your Lordship. I, I pray for them, and they have the courage to come and talk with us, so that we can help them on their journey, God. It's more than just raising a hand or saying a prayer. This is a life decision, following you. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you stand and let's worship.